What is up, everyone? This is Sarah G, and it is Gen Z Gab. Let's get into it. There is so much going on right now. Like, I can't even keep up anymore. There is so much tea that we need to get into and so much life and just a lot. Uh, But let's start with all the women that have come forward and started talking to Hojub from the Today Show and that I learned so much new stuff from these four women that were on a panel willing to talk about all the things. They were born, I think, in the mid-60s through the early 80s and just talking about the whole life and immigration, etc. that led to it. But there is currently a saying going around that is from the crudes, the crudish people that I think you should go and check out. And that's why I'm talking about it right now. So give that a look. Also, just so you know, Gen Z for Change has Wanda Sykes on their committee. Okay, Wanda Sykes. We can get psyched about that. See, see, see what I did there? Uh, Laura, Laura, hi, if you're listening to this. Yes, yes, I got excited because that's one of our connections. Because that's one of our connections. (laughs) Okay, aside from that, I just cannot believe how much um, new information is coming out, coming through, not just Taylor Swift stuff. We don't need to care about Taylor Swift stuff. Here's the thing. I have always been on the fence about her. People can be mad at me, but this is Gen Z Gap, so I share some unpopular opinions. Here's the thing. I will listen to Shake It Off, unfortunately, because she is a good lyricist and musicality human being. I'll give her that. I'll give her that some of her music has been great. But what I also want to say is I've always been a pretty neutral person towards her, and here's why. And it's not because it's trendy or cool. It's just, again, a privileged white blonde hair, blue-eyed girl gets kind of everything from Nashville. And, you know, I've just been opening my eyes and ears everywhere to what certain people's opinions on her is. And you can agree or disagree, but I just needed to talk about it because you will be seen on things like Gen Z for Change or, you know, Yaniga, who talks about her own identity as an Iranian-American first-generation or refugee kid. And I mention her constantly because she just brings up great points and just how white feminism is detailed and I think that that's a good thing that we can constantly renew our learning opportunity. I know that sounds odd but yeah so if that's the case also you should go and check out there's a creator who is actually half Chinese half uh, Iranian on TikTok and she's spoken a lot about growing up and her whole views and I know that that's kind of funny because not funny but funny like because of the fact that Yanita is uh, her boyfriend, her partner, and her have talked about what like their kids are going to look like. So if you ever are a fan and want to look at that, which I know is really random that I'm mentioning this as I'm going between Gen Z for change, the Iranian situation, and just a popular creator. And also for Gen Z for change, they are on Twitch right now. And the reason that I got excited was because I saw that you'll, you'll see Wanda Sykes See, I also have learned I'm probably have auditory processing disorder where I talk too much and then words just come out like blah, 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 blah. And that sometimes happens with Spanish. Speaking of Spanish, uh, hola, me llamo Sara. Espero que gustan mi podcast y vida. Especialmente mis uh, gentes de Latinoamérica y España. Me encanta. So there was a little brief piece. Obviously, I need to practice more. Uh, but I just wanted to say muchísimas gracias por 
escuchan mi video y podcast de Gen Z Cap. So again, it's really bad. It kind of comes in and out. By the way, if you don't follow this account on TikTok, and I know I'm running a lot of things together, talking really fast, but if you don't follow Bilingual Coco on TikTok, she is a PhD mother, student, wife, all that fun stuff. And she is fantastic, but she talks about how she's been, you know, she's fully fluent in French, but because she learned later in life and then she stuck with it throughout college and she didn't start it at a younger age. It's a little bit different, but she also studied Spanish, but she talks about how the brain works with bilingualism. And I think it's really interesting. And as someone who's taken Spanish since she was in kindergarten, even though it probably wasn't as great as it could have been, I did not go to an immersion school. I didn't really start doing a lot of it till high school, college, but I got my minor and I really appreciate anyone that is listening. I have been, like I said, abroad to many different countries and I just love connecting and sharing my story with others. So I'm super grateful. And that even includes people in Brazil. My mom's aunt actually does some work over there, did some work over there. She speaks fluent Portuguese. And I just want to really, again, acknowledge their being there because, again, as we wrap up Hispanic Heritage Month last week more so, we need to acknowledge Latinx, Latino, Latin America, Chicano, Hispanic, all of those different cultures, especially with what is going on in the world and so on and so forth. Speaking of which, which we're now going to be switching gears again. And yes, I'm going to be talking about my favorite shows, Abbott Elementary and Grey's Anatomy again. And I'm also going to do a little throwback with Gilmore Girls because rewatching it again and again as an adult. Here's the thing. I was in diapers legitimately in diapers pretty much when it started going forward and the funny thing is Chad Michael Murray's character Tristan keeps popping up on my for you page of TikTok so I gotta stop myself to acknowledge a little moment because us Gen Z kids us older Gen Z kids know him as the one tree hill boy even though it's later Lucas ah but we also know him from a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff and there's just so many layers to that where, you know, you completely miss some of those heartthrob moments that, yes, Gen Z knows a little bit if Andrew's listening. We, we, we know. And again, we're not as clueless. Now, your series started that way because you just wanted to see what would happen. And then now you've blown up because of that series. Also, his wife did stuff on Girls 5 Ever, so you should check that out. And I botch his last name all the time. So, yeah. He's an annoying actor friend. Let's just go there. By the way, it's still on the table. If you ever want to be a guest asking this Gen Z no, because I think that that would be really fun if we can ever work that out. Just saying, again, that anybody I emailed, it's always on the table. Just email me back. I'm pretty flexible and easygoing, regardless of what my family says. But part of that's ADHD and me not really fully analyzing. And then sometimes I get anxious and have some OCD, but that's not neither here nor there, really. It's just who I am, and I'm being transparent with anyone who's here who listens to that. And as you can see, this is why I have hyperactive ADHD and why it took forever for me to finally get diagnosed. 
And this is me ranting, but it is okay. We've acknowledged it. So moving back on to Latino, Hispanic, all that stuff. Sachin Littlefetter, who I actually was trying to learn a lot from. And I think that it's interesting how much more has come out about said women. She was Mexican. She was biracial Mexican. And here's the thing. She... It's great that she was an advocate for indigenous people. She could have still had some indigenous blood. We won't know. But the problem is that the things that keep coming out, people keep saying, the world has always known. We've just looked the other way. I don't really know what way to believe because, and the funniest part is I've searched her multiple times and all the stuff that comes up is her video stating. Now, I do see articles that have come out before, and that's why I think that you should follow some of those indigenous creators on TikTok, and I can list good ones, Connor Bordeaux, and so many more, because they really get to the heart of this, and I am not someone that should probably speak a lot on this. I just wanted to say, though it made me a little sad, like many, because not just a little, very, because it's like, what do you do? And people are like, the news has always been this way. This isn't the first time. And it's just interesting. And then some weird people in the comments go, she's not even here to defend herself as she's awake. And then the whole thing with Anna Ferris, it came weirdly when Anna Ferris was speaking out. This is completely separate, but about a creep in Hollywood and that she didn't feel comfortable speaking her voice. And then people are like, he's not even around to defend himself. Again, I'm trying to go about this with, you know, who are our experts versus who is a person that can just read online? I mean, all of the above can become whatever, but that's where I stand. Also, just quick thing, because it's Gen Z Gap, MRI machines and the whole thing about helium and the connection with Ukraine, Russia, Central Europe, like the whole thing. I didn't realize, and I've just been reading other things, but it just goes to show how much we don't know gets um worked out throughout the world that's all i was gonna say it's not even a moment of me thinking through or being extra about anything it's just me thinking about oh this sounds like a little more interesting i didn't know that it created but then that's the same thing with mustard seeds ukraine and germany they have had more of the mustard seeds this year, and it's become more of an issue because of all the stuff going on. And I continuously talk about these things because I think it's important, and especially because, again, this podcast is called Gen Z Gap. I can talk about everything and anything. I can talk about, again, just how annoying it seems like with people like the Vlog Squad, etc., that I used to look up to and that I've had to re- train my brain to do better with. And the reason I'm talking like this is just that I keep coming across some people I used to follow that I used to kind of consider mutuals friends that I was basically killing myself just to get noticed by them. And then I realized I was losing myself, bombarding them, bombarding myself with these feelings of not knowing if I was getting actual like responses. Here's the thing. I think when a lot of people like me with anxiety and ADHD, we sometimes think that we're losing things, etc. And until we really take a step back and, you know, find our footing again, that's where it gets. And I feel sad. Like, again, I'm 
know that I'm not the only person on the planet that's ever done this, but I'm just explaining this yet again. Because again, it's good to make connections and we live in an internet world. But I just want to acknowledge this again, because sometimes I see clips from things that people that I used to maybe know of or the people that I used to look up to and, you know, thought that I could be in their world. And it's just that's not who I am or who I even thought those people were. And we can get into the Jason Nash, the David Dobrik, Dave Portnoy, all those dramas that go on. And aside from that, Taylor Holder, all that. But again, that gets talked about so much to the point where it's like, do we really? It's good to acknowledge some of those problematic behaviors, but we can't keep spotlighting them because of the problems that, you know, it's still fame, like all publicity is good publicity. And the more that I see this, the more I'm like, okay. But again, I'm just going to touch on this. People who have like, especially guys who have an older age above, which it's taken, you know, a while to unnormalize this, but they should not be asking these girls uncomfortable questions. I re-look at a lot of things from BFF podcasts, especially recently, and because everything's with the D'Amelios, but you can see people are like, well, Charlie doesn't want to answer this or that about like, you can tell she is very poised, obviously, she's been doing this for a while, but when I look at the new day Emilio's, I start to think, you know, they're pretty, like, they're more normal than I would have imagined, I'm not saying they're 100%, and yeah, so on, so forth, whatever. But to me, I'm starting to realize a little bit more that they're at least standing their ground more in how they respond. You know, I'm not going to say that one way or another is better of what you do to spawn. And I just meant that she, you can clearly tell in some sort of clips that she is way more uncomfortable than, you know, some other people would feel safe enough to even share. And again, I don't know anything. I truly believe some of these people were more open and insightful. And I know money and fame changes people, but I just wanted to acknowledge that and some of Dixie's stuff because it's starting to feel like, yeah, here's there's not a lot of people I can say I've seen this sheer like uncomfortableness with answering a question feeling kind of like, mm -mm. and people are like, this person's asking a hard-hitting question. Again, why does a 40-year-old need to be laying into a 19-year-old about her stuff, 18-year-old, you know? And again, other people have been commenting other things, but it's just one of those I cannot believe. And you know what? I still follow Josh Peck because congratulations, you had another kid. But I'm starting to see where people are kind of like going back and forth. And I feel the same way. I have so many mixed emotions about people. I think that's in general. But can we normalize feeling that? And before anyone says, oh, my God, cancel culture, cancel culture. No, I'm just saying, can we normalize like a little bit of these like roller coaster or unpopular opinions or neutrality against people? Because I think that that'll work out a lot better. I know people live for clickbait, people live for drama, but that just an high, well-produced podcast, 
like again, or someone repped by an agency. I did a little bit of an agency work for a week and I did not even like what they were trying to tell me to do. They were way too controlling. Yes, I know in this industry it is controlling, but I will not give up what I know works. And I also, like I say, people can come at me, but I have a master's degree in communication, strategic communications. I have studied this stuff inside and out. And yes, clickbait, you also say you don't want spamming, but you don't want this, you don't want that. But clickbait always wins in spam. Also, my stuff is not spammy, clickbaity. Like half the stuff that I see on TikTok that I could give examples that were clickbaity, that wasn't me, but whatever. And I also think with TikTok being a little bit down. And I just wanted to emphasize that before I move on to another discussion because it just drives me nuts. And before anyone says anything, I know I'm unpopular opinion galore. I know I am in that 75% of people that will probably quit their podcast within a year because I don't have a lot to offer, but I do. And here's why. I will fight tooth and nail because I don't give up and I'm passionate about something. But I will say this. I understand that mine might not be the most popular podcast out there because there's plot. Plus, I don't have the glitz and the glam like I always talk about on here, but it's true. If you don't know somebody overly famous, you're not going to get anywhere. But that doesn't matter because I'm here to just talk and let people know that if you're someone in my shoes, it's okay. We feel lonely at times, but we will march on and figure it out from there. Besides, I have always wanted to do a podcast and I know I talk about this all the time, but I keep pushing myself. Me reminding myself again every week why I'm here is super helpful for me because I've always wanted to do this. And I've actually noticed that, and now we're going to switch cycles for anyone who needs to know that, just because if I do a quick transition, you want to make sure. I'm talking about Grey's Anatomy again, and here's why. Last week's episode was phenomenal. I don't care I get it. It's season 19. And yes, we're all obsessed with the new cast. That being said, when I say remind myself now, I have not been in this at all for the long haul. Like Ellen Pompeo's been as Meredith Grey or Chandra Wilson, James Pickens Jr., you know, the original cast, even Mila Luddington and Emma McQuaid have been there for a long enough time where, you know, they're just in it for the long haul, kind of. I shouldn't say they're in it forever, but they're there. And I talk about this a lot, but it's good to see that fight because who knows? Yes, it's been going up and down for years a little bit, with, but it still has dedicated fans and that's what makes it worthwhile. But I wanted to just say this week's Grace spoke to me on a personal level. And I know that it will speak to a lot of people on a personal level, no matter how you identify or no matter what stage in life you are. I love, and I know people can say whatever, but I do love when they share stuff about dementia, any type of dementia, whether it's Alzheimer's, Lewy body, uh, Parkinson's, Huntington's, anything that fits in that umbrella. Now, I love what they've been doing with Parkinson's. I have family member just watching what they've done the past two seasons is phenomenal. 
I just wanted to say I am grateful for that. That being said, being in their world, just kind of letting them talk what they want to say. And I just loved all three of the characters who participated in that scene with Simone's grandma. And before anyone goes, yes, I know it's spoilers, but it is such a pivotal moment. And it's such a parallel of what Mayor had to deal with as an intern with her own mother. But her own mother was a doctor in the hospital. And yes, Simone was a baby born that, you know, her mother didn't um, survive childbirth. And then I think that goes into the segue of what Addison was doing that was phenomenal with the interns, etc. Having Addison Montgomery, Kate Walsh back is fantastic. I can't get into how much I love watching, um, you know, how much she's grown as a person and a character, like we said, but just where even now it's been her and Mayor have been civil for 10 plus years, and now they've been friends for the last two years, and even Addison, like really good friends for the past two years, but even Addison, when she was at court, wrote a very good letter for why Meredith shouldn't lose her license. So I just wanted to touch on that. And I wanted to just say again, thank you to the amazing actors that are Alexis Floyd, who's playing Simone, Ellen Pompeo, who plays Meredith, because she's been doing that for a lot. And Nico Terho, Terno. I'm so sorry if I keep botching your name. But we also found more about what his family life is like in this episode. And it was great. I was really not surprised, though, with your reaction in the show to Addison coming back and running away. And I can already see the twisted siblings are back. I really have to emphasize this again. And I know that probably no one's going to be listening to this, but please don't ruin them. Please don't make it George and Mayor. Don't like stop making like, no, I know he is flirty. I know she's a little with him, but no, let's make them the twisted siblings, kind of like Mayor, Christina and Alex. Okay. Let's let us let us just keep it at that. Here's the thing. Yeah, just messed it. Well, not you didn't mess it up because I mean it's not really messed up, but the whole thing with blue and jewels, that's enough of the intern whatever. Okay, like it's just and also given the whole thing about how they say don't they have any other live outside of here, and then they were making fun of even everyone who's married to everyone in the <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, let's hopefully keep it at that. Sorry for anyone that I ruined with the shipping, but uh, it's just not me. Also, whatever happened with Schmidt and that male nurse from like season 16, 17? Yeah, whatever happened with that or the few moments? Because as much as I believe in Nico's and Schmiko's like redemption story, Nico Kim is just... No, he needs to get better. And the thing is, he was starting to get better at the end. And I love that episode for AAPI Awareness Month and just the fact that even Nico stayed at the end to make sure that his patient was and their family felt safe, etc. But we got to talk about how he is treating Schmidt because Levi Levi deserves better, and Helm is a different story. If Helm, honestly, I know I've said this, but Helm, my prediction is Mika or Simone. I feel like Simone would be a better curveball if they're going for the curveball because the reason I say that is, look, there's always that thing with Grays where they want to do a little bit more predictability, and I fully heartedly believe that. But again, I am the last person that should be shipping people with other people. Again, I don't know. These are just characters, also not the 
real people, but again, fandom gets crazy, as you can tell, and so on and so forth. I really loved um, the scenes between Zola, the little girl of Meredith and Derek, and her mom's boyfriend, Nick. That was great. I also love ER Fartmaster on this episode. They were phenomenal, and I know I keep saying that. Good job, Sarah. But I love the interaction that they had with Zola. Zola... Also, being the oldest kid, I knew she was gifted. And then also, though, I didn't know how level, but thinking through everything, that girl was always just naturally brilliant. But I do like that her parents never tried to push it on her. But now at the end, even with Maggie being nervous about it and hearing, you know, Amelia say, well, mine's downstairs. That reminds me of myself. And she's also said that about Ellis. So, you know, there's just a lot of little tiny, um, tiny mirrors of themselves. But I think it's good because even though Mary doesn't necessarily like that they got diagnosed with all this stuff. Um, and when I say, well, Zola, she gets diagnosed by all of them and it's just, interesting but what I love is watching Kai just bond with Sola I could see a very clear future of them being mentor mentee and also I think that Mare will probably stay because she'll be by her aunts but even hearing the thing that they'll make sure she gets help but Another thing that goes back into that when they were testing Zola for all her stuff, this group of people, minus, you know, the ants, um, it just shows clear as day. Mare never really put in it too much because she's like, all my kids do more challenging work. All my kids do a lot of this stuff. So again, I think she didn't want to pressure them, but she also was like so normalized by it because the family of genius, which again, poor Lucas. And I say poor Lucas, even though Lucas Adams is a good doctor, he's got good bedside manners. He's like a mix of Alex. He's a mix of Link kind of deal. I don't really want to say George because he doesn't give me that George vibe and I'm okay with that. I didn't mind George, but George and Izzy just, I don't like when people compare them to that. I know it's Matt Maddening and TR Knight. I am deeply sorry, even though I know that you've directed and you're probably a super cool person, but I did not like George. There's a lot of people. I didn't like Callie from season nine over 12, really. I kind of same for Arizona, but Arizona got her redemption arc, whereas Callie just got progressively worse. And I'm not trying to be mean about Sarah Ramirez with her there. Sorry, with their portrayal of Callie. It was just how it is. But yeah. So we're here talking about all that stuff, but I do think it's interesting how even Meredith, though, understands now a little bit. And she's like, I'll get on board with it. I was just mad that you started running tests on my kid without me fully consenting it. But as Nico, she was being bored. She wanted a bunch of stuff and she kept mastering them. Like, what else am I supposed to do? And Kai, their clinical trials and tests for, you know, the Parkinson's dementia stuff is just kind of there. And the fact that Zola could do it quicker than and just relaxed than anyone else just goes to show where 
where she is on that level. So acknowledging that piece. Now for Abbott Elementary, let's get into that because I think that it's so important. But aside from that, I will say that one last thing I will leave you with when it's discussing about the Grey's Anatomy episode with the whole thing at the end where Addie felt erased. Here's the thing. Addie and Jake are fertility or obstetrics, surgical, genetic people. They are open to helping in any way women identifying as women or people non-binary, etc. So... To me, it feels like a way to enter his storyline again. And who knows, maybe she'll become in her own chief. I would love, but Addison's way of explaining everything. And when it's world-class surgeon, people have heard of and Bailey coming back. It was just a whirlwind. But when the girl had um, her moment with, with her bad period and where she had her ovarian torsion, et cetera, endometriosis like they talked about in last season. That just hits home for not just me, but a lot of other women out there. And yes, you don't need a lot of details, but just know the line where the mom said that I gave her a hot water bottle and that it runs in our family, that it's just that painful. I should have known better. And the thing is that that's the the problem. You don't. Even if you have a family history of some of this stuff, everyone's body reacts different. Everyone is completely and utterly different. And that goes into also doctor's offices, which they talked about last year, but in the season. But doctor's offices, whenever you go in, I have just been so mad. I don't want to get too into what details, but I was at the doctor's office just for a quick checkup the other day, and I felt so nervous to say no to getting my weight done, even though it's fall, I'm wearing a bunch of layers, etc., but I weigh five or six pounds more with the shoes and the clothes, etc., but the thing is, they don't even take time to acknowledge like when a person even is a little too nervous to be saying anything, they don't even ask you if you want to be weighed. Like they asked me my height and my height, I said my height, which I'm almost five foot nine. But then the woman's like, can you step on the scale? We have to do the scale. And I just was about to be, I was so close to saying, no, I don't, I refuse. You can tell I'm healthy the way that I am. Or could you weigh me backwards, etc. And then the problem is, is that in my chart, they still do the body surface levels, your BMI, etc. Even though I talked to my doctor and they said I was fine, etc. That I don't need to worry about any of that. But then they put it in the my chart part, even though it's the smallest part, but that's what sends people spiraling. Now, my mom brings up, a good point that you know someone that I know of a family member they are six foot one and 200 pounds and you know that would be considered overweight on the BMI as well well keep in mind this guy is a baseball player athletic trains all trains all the time does not look big eats a lot but it's the point it's the principle of 
yes, on some level, it's considered overweight. But then when you go into all this stuff, and that's what these dietitians that I follow talk about. But the point is, the BMI was created 200 plus years ago by a white European guy that had very little knowledge. And he was a mathematician that said that it was never supposed to be used this way. And it started to be used in the 2000s this way. And just, it's this whole crazy thing. But then that correlates once again to the whole why some people are connecting with Taylor's song, whether or not you do or not. But as a person who is 5'8 and above, girl, the tall, they say it's a tall girl anthem. And in ways, I see what they're saying, but in ways, I don't. So that is what I will leave you with aside from if you are someone that suffers from like those debilitating periods, know you're not alone. Please go and watch that episode just because it's very enlightening. It gives you so much more information than anything ever could. And I know that it's probably just like where people go TV, but it was very informative and resourceful. And I think that the people that they have online that are on set waiting, the doctors that they have, the medical practitioners did a great job because they always make sure that it's as accurate as possible, whether or not the whole show is the most accurate. They still give it a seven out of 10, like Scrubs is a nine out of 10. Those are the two pretty close to the most accurate shows I think that there's been a few others, but everything's constantly changing. But I just wanted to touch on that quick. And then getting into Abbott Elementary, which is my joy, like I constantly mention. And I think that we need some joy in life and getting to a place to move forward and just laugh. Again, Parks and Rec, it really gives me that livelihood again with all the things. That being said, this week's recent episode was about, you know, just what people do versus old versus new, etc. And I think it's very important to touch on like Barbara and Chimenti, Melissa. I really love those two characters. Like I mentioned last week, I think they bring a lot of good insight. The older teacher, younger teacher vibe, as well as the aid that Melissa has is just phenomenally hilarious. I get where she gets a little annoyed by it but um even when Abe is like I've tried to fire Jacob just because I found him annoying and I can't because he's a good teacher and I understand you're dealing with the Gen Z new teacher teacher aide but you're gonna have to work on it so I think that is really cool I think that really tells some things that you're not really sure about And I think that we need to just hold some space for just the phenomenal, brilliant writing and creation that was created by Quintina Brunson and just the cast. I can't I can't stop laughing. But the whole thing with the juice of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that Barbara was talking about why her class will not be partaking in it. And again, how it made more people, just the extra ounces made people want to go to the bathroom more often. But for me, it gave me a vibe of, and I know this is crazy, but it made me think immediately, which it really didn't go in this direction, but it made me think immediately of That's So Raven when the sculpture episode, like when she was dressed as a raven, as a raven that Chelsea did but that's why I wanted you to go and look it up on Disney plus or search for it but where Corey got 
juice and soda banned from his school as a health initiative, right? This is uh, juice with no sugar and more ounces, etc. And their juice already had no artificial colors. So to me, that was where Barbara kind of was like, I'm using the same one for the past 10 years, 15 years. So yeah. And in a way, yes, I see her point. Again, it's Abbott, so there will always be those, like, hilarious moments, those mind-boggling um, moments, and also just those heartwarming moments. You can take your opinion. I'm just talking about, in general, though, how much interesting sides to it all. It kind of was giving me slight vibes in the beginning to the, the quarry and that and his friend where they would, uh, you know, sell the juice and this pop in the milk carton for profit. And, of course, Victor, the dad, Victor Baxter, of course, and Tanya are, like, about to start punishing him. But then they wanted to go on the health kick, too. But then when they saw how much money, they're like, give us 10% each. So, and, you know, him being the money grabby dude he that he was... He winded up having to share 20% of profits and stop doing it. But aside from that, that was the vibe that I was getting from before. But it made me think, holy crap, like thinking back to some of those TV shows where they didn't make the parents as dopey and that they punished them in an interesting way, but actually real, but kind of listen to them. And I'm seeing that those early 2000 parents, which I know I'm on a different tangent now, but that was what that Abbott Elementary episode when I noticed all these kids rushing to the bathroom, I thought, oh, is this like, or the cafeteria, stuff like that. Oh, is this like um, when Corey was selling the juice and soda pop, all those things in milk cartons so that they could get the taste of the, what they were missing. There's that. And again, just go and check it out. I could talk about it forever. But in, like I said, in season one, Barbara didn't want to do the thing with the books and the new learning. And then she accidentally was showing off that her kindergartners were reading Baby Einstein level prodigy. But she finally got her kid to start reading to the point where at the end she had to pull him out of the principal's office when Ava was making him read to her. Separate note, it's always interesting to hear the like Jeffrey... Gregory wants like where he's like I'm on board but I don't like juice I like nature's so I like nature's juice water I'm sorry but <laughs> I love like how they describe it but it's like oh gosh but they're trying to do so much with Gregory but it's like I still like him but of course he has to be that character kind of like with the joke of everybody hates Chris er, so I like nature's juice water I'm sorry but <laughs> I love, like, how they describe it, but it's like, oh, gosh, but they're trying to do so much with Gregory, but it's like, I still like him. But, of course, he has to be that character, kind of, like, with the joke of everybody hates Chris with Tyler Williams, so, yeah. But I have just can't get over how hilarious it is, and just Jacob is forever, though, when he's trying to say, like, things that are going on, he... It's just so funny and awkward and very corny, but he 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 definitely adds to the mix. He's he's just yeah. I just can't get over how well rounded this class um, cast is. 
and just how great the show is. And yeah, I hope that you check it out. So moving on from that, I am going to talk about Gilmore Girls because it's been coming up a lot and I've been rewatching it again. And every time I rewatch it, all I can think about is not really my opinion changing, but it's like I love the era of Chilton, obviously, like most. I think about just the how much I see the codependency between Lorelai and Rory and how much I see what the therapists were talking about on TikTok about what Lori, Rory and Lorelai have going on between them, as well as just kind of how weird Stars Hollow is. But just again, the diamond in the rough, the gem, the gem is Kirk and how he interacts with everyone. I think this is the first time I've ever said this, but Michelle and and Luke, they are so similar and so different. They, you know, I was rewatching the episode the other day of where Lane was getting her new CD while she was grounded, trying to figure out all these ways. And then she and Rory set up the whole town kind of to be in on this thing. And she has Kirk come in to annoy Mrs. Kim and ask all these ridiculous questions, which she knows enough to say. And she got Michelle to run laps around slash to help with um, Lane's dilemma. And it winded up working. But the thing is, Michelle said, this is the last time I ever do something for you, girl. And he's a big old softie for Rory at the end of the day. He is the biggest softie. And I think that we need to acknowledge that because it's so similar to when Luke, when Luke blew up those balloons and baked a coffee cake. Rory. Again, just these two very much Kermungi, Scroogey-like people that, though, will drop everything to help Rory. But again, the iconicness of that scene is, aside from Kirk, you know, doing all those questions, uh, is Michelle saying, you are your mother's daughter, and all those things, when uh, Rory said, thank you, and didn't you get my mom's message? Of course, Lorelai, with her ADHD and just being Lorelai, she did not, which is kind of mean, did not tell Michelle that they moved it up an hour. So he ran around an hour. But her thing was he had great form. And then he goes, you are your mother's child. And of course, I can't quite do it correctly. And you know what, though? Yannick Trusdale was only speaking English for about a year before, 10 months before filming. So I commend him and everyone's saying his accent isn't fully French. Well, it's French Canadian because the actor's from Canada. I just thought that that little Easter egg, but it is super cute just to see though little Easter eggs, little connections and how, and I say Easter eggs because I think it connects so clearly to what happens in the future as well. And I'm not going to get into the Christopher stuff because my opinions are forever changing and the actor doesn't deserve any sort of recognition. There we are there. But aside from that, I think it's also very interesting to see. The reason I'm going to talk about Chad Michael Murray again in this exact moment is because it is very interesting to watch how I recently saw an interview from him from last year where he said that he got Donson Creek and then it was One Tree Hill, but it was his first big recurring role. Like a lot of people, it was their first big role. And just like these fun facts, but I think that the whole reason they created Logan in the end was because of him leaving and they didn't get to do fully the arc that they wanted to do, which was 
that rivalry between Jess and Dean and him. But again, I do like how the comedy it added to the Chilton days, etc. Do I think he was a little too excessive on Rory at times? Yes. But again, the character kind of fit like what we think of in a lot of that um, privileged societal way. That being said, if there's ever a reboot, I really hope that he returns at least. I do know that because Logan went to a place in North Carolina for military school, I do think that that would be very interesting to see how it played out, how they know each other. Lots of people have brought up this in their fan theories, but I do think that our whole Paris and Rory friendship wouldn't have gone the way that it did in the end. So I think that that's at least good, you know, with all the ups and downs that they all went through during this time. Oh yeah. And I know that it's just very much at this point, I watch it as a Gen Zer for a simpler time, but I've watched a year in a life where I see where people go, oh my God, they totally destroyed our character. They were destroying our character from season four on, but I actually like the ending more so. And everyone can have their opinion, but I do think that it would be interesting to see what you know, if Rory had a ba- the baby, the baby was a boy, all those kind of things. I do deep down think Logan would return more so their adults. I don't know. Again, I can't say one way or another. A lot of people have differences of opinions in this specific area. And I think that people are going to be comparing and contrasting it for the next even 30 years or even further. But you can also see the problematic holes and parts of life. And <laughs> Again, though, Jess is one of the best characters, though, because he's the one that actually goes and challenges what's going on in Stars Hollow. I'm not saying he's a great person, especially in seasons two through four, but you got to admit, he's the person that actually asks these questions. (laughs) Like, he's not just following along. So as um, we draw the podcast to a close, I have one question for everyone. And I think I've mentioned this in the past, but again, weird things, old things have been popping up on my newsfeed. So I just got to ask this one question. And to me, I'm going to say this because he's a Pixar character. Yes, I'm going to just say this as a clue because he's a Pixar character. It makes it a little more humanized. So. Just keep that in mind, why my brain doesn't fully know. And I don't think this was ever a debate. If someone is listening to this, who's mentioned this a few times, but I don't think this was ever a debate. And I think I kind of laid into the whole thing about being stupid. But again, it came up on my newsfeed for some reason. So I have to ask, because I wonder if people will actually talk about this or leave a comment about this. Lightning McQueen. All the cars characters, do they have car insurance or life insurance because of certain aspects? Now, to me, it just seems like I like I said before, it seems like a trick question because I feel like they would need kind of both. But in a way, it would be life insurance because it's killing two birds with one stone because they are a live car in the Pixar world. They are humanized. So there's one aspect you could think about and I'm trying to think of what else that you could do this with because I don't think you could do this with uh Ratatouille because yes they get insurance all the time but it's more of that like do they get extermination policies or do they fix it up 
but it's hard to say. It's really hard to say because here's the thing. They keep it. Do they do they get um an exemption on cleaning? What is the situation with that? That's what I care more about. Do like Remy's and the Ratatouille whole movie, which I know it will not make sense, the Gusto place, Linguini, all of them, do they get do they do they have to pay more for cleaning? Do they have to pay less? Do they? But it's hard to say. It's really hard to say because here's the thing. They keep it. Do they Do they get um, an exemption on cleaning? What is the situation with that? That's what I care more about. Do like Remy's and the Ratatouille whole movie which I know it will not make sense, the Gusto place, Linguini, all of them, do they get, do they, do they have to pay more for cleaning? Do they have to pay less? Do they, do the, we never got a answer fully. We never got our attitude too, which is okay. Cause they ended it sweetly and they got the whole musical on TikTok. But that is more of the question I wonder as far as cleaning supplies, et cetera, goes, where do we stand on that specifically? So I will repeat it again. Do Colette and Linguini have to pay more for cleaning or do they get a deductible? And how do they clean Remy and the rest of them? Do they put them through the dishwasher every time? Because then how does that affect the health code violation? And that is a different time, but we should ask these questions. So I will gab soon. Hit like, subscribe, comment below. Remember to follow our Patreon account. Do a lot of likes and subscribing of our TikTok and our Instagram, Gen Z Gab. And we will see you next week. Gab and go.